It's combine season, and we have the draft reports for the four HBCU players invited to the NFL combine. Also, if it isn't Savannah State that's going to win the SEAC tournament, then who is it? Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU Athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day and today's episode is brought to you by run your pool come join us at, at run your pool slash locked on and make a little money get a cash prize and use the promo code pure madness to make a bracket of your own y'all know who i am i of course am darian gray aka the mouth of the south texas southern alum and former tsu herald sports editor thank you for going on this journey with me making locked on hbcu your first listen of the day every day in this combine season I want to know what NFL.com thinks that each of the four HBCU prospects who were invited to the NFL Combine's ceiling really is. So we have their draft reports. I'm going to tell you what I think about the reports, highlight the positive attributes, because I was once listening to a scout, and I think it was about a year ago. It was probably last draft cycle, right? And I was listening to a, a scout, and he said, I really don't care what they say the deficiencies of a player is. When it comes to the player, let me know what he does well. And I can strengthen that. Don't tell me what he can't do. Tell me what he can do. And I'll make the best of it from there. And that's kind of the, the attitude that I've had, I guess, for the last year. It wasn't no more than a year ago. So either it was last year or the beginning of, of college football season this year. Um, but overall, that's kind of the, the attitude that I've had. So I'm going to look at the positive attributes of the four players. It's Joshua Williams. We have Jatari Carter. And those are the two that we're going to look at in this segment in the next segment we're going to look at marquise bell and the kobe durant so let's let's go ahead and start it off with joshua williams williams and he's a guy who's gotten a lot of love cornerback out of out of fayetteville state and here's the thing about him is that he has the highest projected ceiling as far as nfl.com goes they have a grading system in which they give a grade for a player you can be an all pro perfect prospect year one starter average backup um will be an average starter there's a lot of different distinguishing or or excuse me there's a lot of different segments that you'd be placed in or categories but we're going to start off with with joshua joshua williams and he by far has the highest ceiling he has a 6.22 and that means he'll eventually be an average starter and the eventual comes from the fact that he went to fayetteville state if you read his his draft bio essentially that's what it is it's essentially a bio i'll read it to you real quick because this was something that I felt needed to be highlighted because everything that said eventually about his, his draft stock was really about the fact that he went to Fayetteville State. <laughs> That's really what it all came down to. So when I look at it, I want to read it to you because they say he's a small school cornerback who has big school traits. That already that already screams, all right, we see, we see this, the talent level, but we need to also acknowledge that he faced lower competition. Then another thing he said is, trait-based cornerbacks from smaller schools, very hit or miss, but Williams's instincts and body control shine a more favorable light on his potential to become a future cornerback two slash three. Well, to me, that falls in line with what I falls in line with what I seen. He went to the senior bowl and he showed out. And 
I'll give you this little nugget. The Fayetteville State Broncos just won the CIAA tournament. That was their first time doing that since 1973. The school doesn't have a rich football history as far as getting drafted goes. The last time they had somebody drafted was 1973. I'm going to leave it there. Y'all know I'm superstitious, but I hope y'all picking up what I'm putting down, right? So with all that being said now, I look at him on the on the field. Let's take out the superstition. I, I've given that, but let's look at who he is on the field. And on the field, he's a cornerback who is really impressive to me. He went to the senior bowl, which is the premier pre-draft bowl, in my opinion. You can go maybe then with the East-West Shrine game, but I'm siding with the senior bowl. He went there as the only D2, not just one of the only two HBCU prospects. That's great. But he went there as the only Division II player to be invited, HBCU or not. So that tells you what they think of him. And in that in that game, in the practices, he played up to the competition. It wasn't a situation where he got there and the, and the moment seemed too big or maybe the competition level was too high for him. He seemed just as talented as those guys. I thought he flashed in one-on-ones, looked really good. He showed why our guy Ross Jackson at Locked On Saints has a draft crush on him and really likes the guy. He showed all of those skill sets and was really one of the, the people that I heard being talked about a lot. So when I look at Josh Williams, showed out in the senior bowl, that probably put him in the drafted status. I, I wouldn't be shocked if with a really good combine, they say he want to run in the four threes. He runs in the four threes. He's cementing his draft status. There is no way that Joshua Williams runs in the four threes and does not get drafted. If he does, that is a complete travesty and extremely disappointing. But I think it will cement his status. I think he's already going to be drafted. I think that the combine will only be an elevation for him. And I wouldn't be shocked at all with all the steam that he's coming in with right now if he ends up being the first HBCU player drafted. Like I said, he, he looked really good in one-on-ones. He flashed his speed. He came out blazing. And I don't mean that just in a cliche. On the first day of practice in the Senior Bowl, he was top five, I believe. Top five fast was marked at top speed. So he came out and showcased really well. And I want to flip to Jatire Carter, who was his uh his companion at the at the Senior Bowl, Southern. But when I look at him, they have a couple of things on there that I think are great for him, and it's all about his hands. Let's talk about him because he's also he he's projected at five point eight three, which is an average backup, just so we have our ceilings right. And I think something that's great for him is that they talk about his hands a lot. They talk about the fact that he's good with the show and go. They talk about the fact that. He has big paws, as they like to call it. They say adequate or good length with with big paws. And they talk about the hands, right, when they say the big paws. And then they also say that he has great hand strength. And this is obviously important as a, as a lineman because you're going to be using your hands a lot. That's what you're going to be needing to use. But you also have to bring your feet with it. So they showed the fact that he had good technique with the show and go. They showed the fact that he had big paws, which is that's God-given, but it's also great to have, right? So you want him to have good hands or good sized hands. And then also they said the fact that he had good hand strength, which is good for latching on and making sure you don't let go. of. Your but here goes the best quality about him is that they said, and this is the NFL.com that we're still referring to. They said that he could switch over to guard. Versatility is great. If he hits his ceiling though, and is an average backup as along with being a versatile player, the rise of the sixth lineman, the, the swing guy who comes in every now and then, that is great because now as a really, let's just say you're a good backup, right? A good backup tackle and a good backup guard at the same time is valuable because it, it allows them to save a roster. So that's what I think Carter really has going for him because when I look at it, I say, well, backup tackle, good. 
backup guard, good. Combine them, that's the recipe for a long career in the NFL. I think that's what Carter has looking forward to him as long as he can hit his ceiling. And if he breaks through it, then you're looking at a guy who could even be a starter, right? So that's what I think you're you're seeing with Carter and you're looking at with Williams, two really good players, both invited to the senior bowl and now invited to the NFL combine. And going forward, we're going to look at a couple more defensive backs who I believe are a little bit underrated. One specifically, I think his his grade is a little bit too low. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about Built Bar because Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market with so many different uses. They have 17 grams of protein, but then they pair that with only four grams of sugar, only four net carbs. And it also is covered in chocolate. So you would think that something that's covered in chocolate would probably be filled with sugar as well, filled with a lot of carbs, but it isn't. It's filled with a lot of protein. So in that in that sense, you can always go to the go to the gym, pop your Built Bar in. You could always be sitting at the house, pop your Built Bar in. You could be walking through the stores. We talk about that during Christmas time, but the mall still be packed, still be flowing. You still have a line. Let me just eat myself a Built Bar real quick just to just to hold me over. It has all of those uses, and it's really tasty because it has a, a bunch of different flavors. My favorite is blueberry muffin. That's if I had to tell you to go buy something, it would be that firsthand experience, right? But they have a lot of different things for a lot of different people. If you want raspberry, they have that. You want a banana cream pie, they have that. You want cookies and cream, they have that. Built Bar has everything that you need, a multitude of flavors, a multitude of uses, and then honestly, it just tastes good. What else do you need to know to go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your offer? All right, so we're keeping rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU. I want to thank you for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is prosaic, meaning dull or unimaginative, right? And I want to talk about Marquise Bell. I want to start first with him because he actually has the lowest score or projected ceiling of anybody. And I'm confused. I do not understand what happened. Because I remember at the playoff game versus FAMU in, in South, Southeastern Louisiana, we were talking about him possibly being the first HBCU player drafted. And for some reason, that has faded. I'm not quite sure why. I'm not sure what happened. I don't see it. I don't see it. But his grade overall is a 5.68, which is the back of the roster um, or b- bottom of the roster to practice squad guy. And I'm looking here like, we talking about the same Marquise Bell that we were all hyped about just a couple of months ago? What happened? What happened in this time frame? Because this is difficult because I'm trying to figure it out. Because to me, I remember when he went to the NFL PA Bowl, they called him one of the best draft risers in that defensive side in that bowl game. So it wasn't a performance there. Like I said, they were talking about him being the first HBCU player drafted at the end of the of the um, at the end of the season in the playoff game. That was their last game that they played. Yet now he missed an invitation to the senior bowl that I think a lot of people expected him to be there and, and thought he deserved. I know he thought he deserved it. But Nagy, I didn't really like the Nagy comments either. Um, I, I felt like that could have been handled a different kind of way than just just saying, like, we didn't miss the guy. We seen him. We didn't miss him. I felt like that was calling out a player and that was unnecessary. But overall, you had that missed senior bowl. And now he's at the NFL combine. I would have liked to at least seen him at the legacy bowl. I don't know if he was invited and maybe turned it down. But now he's going to be at the NFL combine. So they feel a certain kind of way. But his draft report is not what I think he is. It's not what I think he is because 
I know what kind of player is as far as a downhill player, but they also share these these thoughts. But let's read it directly, right? Let's talk about him. So he's active, lanky safety with run support flashes. Then they talk about how he could play in a multitude of coverages. Mind you, I'm only talking about the positive things because, like I said, the scout said, tell me what he can do and I'll make that better. Don't tell me what he can't do. Okay. So they said he plays with a burst close to close his, um, excuse me, he plays with a burst to close that helps him do his job. And then they just call him a practice squad guy. And when I look at Bell, I don't see a practice squad guy. I see a guy who can be a significant benefit to your team. I thought he was going to be a mid-round pick, honestly. But these draft reports are not lining up with that. They aren't at all. So in addition to that, let's just talk about what I think he is. My favorite thing about Bell is the fact that you can't miss him. That's what I noticed the most is that when I'm watching the Southeastern Louisiana game, even if you don't know Bell, by the end of the game, you're sitting there and you're saying, who's five? I got to find out who five is because he's always around the ball consistently at all times. No matter what's going on, he's around the ball. And I think that's a benefit as far as being a downhill safety because there are two different types of safety. And I think this is this is part of what I think kind of knocks him for, for some people, not me, though, is I think a lot of people are prosaic, right? That's our word of the day. I think a lot of people are prosaic. They're dull. They're unimaginative. They believe that just because it is a, a passing league now, the downhill safety, the box safety i really hate that term i really hate the box safety term but the box safety term just doesn't have value and i don't think that's the case i think there's still room for for safeties who play closer to the line of scrimmage and i think that's what bell is but i think he might be suffering some of that blowback from people just not valuing that because when i watch him on the field he flies around he's always around the ball and he's always making plays i don't really need to get into the technique aspect. he's always making plays no matter what even when you see the bump up in the FCS level competition, he's always making plays. So that's what I see about him. And that's why I don't really agree with this. I think this is a underrated. I think this is a low ceiling for him. I expect him to surpass that. Now let's get into the Kobe Durant, cornerback out of South Carolina State. National champion. I think the greatest thing he has going for him is the fact that he has the Dion cosign. And then also he played Clemson and showed out. Like he balled against Clemson. Had two interceptions in that game. That's something that they labeled in his strengths was his interceptions versus Clemson. And honestly, his interceptions in general, his interceptions in general, he had 12 interceptions and he has great ball production. That's something that they highlighted. I thought it was also something that's high in his game. And then when Deion co-signed you after the game said the NFL should be looking at that guy. Deion saying his opinion isn't just like heavy in HBCU landscape. I understand he's a Jackson State head coach, but we all know who Deion Sanders is. When he says something specifically about a defensive back, it holds weight. This is the GOAT. So when he says this guy should be getting looks, that guy should be getting looks. And even if he wasn't, I expect that he would be after that after that statement. So you compare or you combine that with his, his play against Clemson, which shows his ball production. This is the guy who I expect to get drafted. And yes, he's a little bit undersized. He's about 5'10", 180. But as a whole, I look at it and I say, Put him in a slot, and that's what they say. Put him in a slot. And, and they talk about his size a little bit, and sometimes they speak as if it's a detriment. They also combine it with a positive attribute of his own. So I want to look at that and talk about that as we read his, his, his um draft, his draft statement, excuse me, his bio. They say Durant might be undersized, but he plays with tremendous confidence and competitiveness. He'll have issues against bigger slot targets from time to time, but he proved his ability against receivers of all sizes sizes against Clemson 
He plays with good foot quickness and above average ball skills to attack the throw. And he, pro he profiles as a late day three selection due to his size, but it wouldn't be surprising to see him outperform his draft slotting. So you can tell they're really high on him. He's, he's smaller. He's 5'10", so he probably has to go into the slot. But like they said, he's played against all different types of size receivers. So I expect Durant to be really good. I expect him to get drafted. And I hope that his, his size isn't what knocks him. I, and I know it can. I know that his size can knock him. But like I said, the same being prosaic as far as not feeling like a box safety, a downhill safety can be beneficial. I hope that they don't use that lack of imagination and not consider Durant simply because he's 5'10". I think the guy is really good. He shows ball skills, and he shows an understanding of the game that shows he deserves to play. Now, going forward, I want to discuss this, the SEAC tournament because we all know about Savannah State. But if it isn't Savannah State that's going to win, I have two teams who could pull off the victory. Not really even an upset, just a victory. But first, I want to tell you about Run Your Pool because March Madness is here. It's March now. It's no more marches around the court. March is here. Tournament season is here. Now you have to wonder where are you going to do your brackets? And the only place that I'm going to do my bracket is at Run Your Pool. Matter of fact, come join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on and try to earn a cash prize. I'll be there. And I understand that sometimes there's pressure because you may feel like, well, I don't really know too much. I'm a novice. Don't be, don't be afraid of that because me personally, I've, I've suffered from that too. I don't want to do a bracket. I, I don't know all of these teams. But Run Your Pool gives me intel, gives me details. So they they let me know, hey, this is what Duke is doing this year. This is what they excel at. This is where they, they're good at. All of those details help me and make me feel like, okay, well, I can make my decision when it's time. Once they announce the bracket, I'm running to Run Your Pool slash Locked On so that I can join with my Locked On co-host and do, a, and do a quick bracket. If you want to do for your family, make your own while you're there and use the promo code Pure Madness for, 10, for $10 off at checkout. Then I want to tell you about Rock Auto because have you ever been at the store and you sit there and say, man, this line is long. Why all of y'all have broke down cars today? Because my car broke down. Y'all, everybody just want to have their car broke down on a Saturday. Or have you been there and said, you're only offering me these options? Neither one of those things you run into when you're using Rock Auto. Because first off, it's online. You can sit there just like me right now, go to your computer, type it up, and just look for the parts you need. No more asking questions being put on the spot. Now you just have to go and say, yeah, I need this alternator for my, my Dodge Avenger, my Dodge Challenger, right? So those are the things that you will benefit from as far as saving yourself time, but you also save yourself money 30, 50, 60% off the prices that you're going to see when you're at the, at the local auto part, auto parts store. So those are the things that I feel like are beneficial about Rock Auto, and that's why you need to go. And don't forget to put Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right, as we're wrapping up on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, if Savannah State, who deserves to be the favorite in the SEAC tournament on the women's side, if they do not get it done, then who would it be? Who are the two teams that I feel like also have a pretty good chance at winning this, this tournament? And mind you, I'm not just saying it's an upset, but I think that if Tuskegee or Benedict College were to win the women's SEAC tournament, wouldn't shock me. These are the two teams that I want to get into. First off, I want to go with Tuskegee because Tuskegee is the top seed on the west side, right? So Savannah State, great season. They're the top on the east. But on the other side of the bracket, you have Tuskegee. And these two teams can't meet into the finals, and I hope that they do. It would be wonderful, right? I would love it. 
And when you look at this team, this is the team that had an out-of-conference schedule that they really excelled in. And that out-of-conference schedule included Alabama State, which they beat in an exhibition game to start the year. And I understand it's an exhibition game. I get that. It really doesn't count towards the record. I don't care. I do not care. I don't care if, because when I look at it, you're a D2 team and you just knocked off a D1 team. I don't care if it's a game in a tournament. I don't care if it's a game in a in a, in a in just a regular season. I don't care if it's an exhibition game. I don't care if, if it's football, you playing seven on seven behind a parking lot. Or if you playing at the local elementary school in basketball, I don't care. You just knocked off a division one team as a D2 team. That's a step up. And you would think, I would look at it from D1 level. If you're on the D1 level, it don't matter if it's exhibition, in a tournament, um, in the regular season, seven on seven, all right, in the football game, or if you're playing in the elementary parking lot or elementary uh, basketball court. As a D1 team, you're looking and saying, I should never lose to that D D2 team, right? That's the mindset that you have. That's the mindset that all D1 fans have. You should not lose to a D2 team where it is. So with that being said, I don't care where it is. This D2 team just knocked off this D1 team, and that's a feather in their cap. And they deserve to take praise for that. That was one of their better victories, right? And they excelled in the out-of-conference schedule. When they got into the conference, they had to run into Benedict, and they had to run into Savannah State. So those were two losses that they ended up having. But they were able to actually avenge that loss versus Benedict. And now you're just looking at the, the balance of power up top, right? So they lost to Savannah. Savannah lost to Benedict. And they also lost to Benedict. But Benedict didn't sweep either one of them. So when you look at BC, they lost to both of those teams as well. So it's kind of like, eh. It's, it's give and take. It's all a lot of give and take that's going on there. But um, overall, I think they had a really good team. And then when you look at their in their division, specifically the West division, on the West side, they were able to knock off every team but one. They lost to Miles one time. But other than that, they were pretty much flawless. And they have a team that's really talented. And I think that they're they're led by Ashalia. Excuse me. I hope I said that right. Ashalia Jackson and Jatoria Willis. And Jackson was the offensive or excuse me jackson was the player of the year on the seac side and willis was the defensive player of the year and when i look at jackson jackson averages a double double nearly a 20 point double double she has 19.9 points per game let's just go ahead and call that 20 let's go ahead and call that 20 points and then she averages 10 boards a game that's a 20 point double double on average that's crazy and that's the player there so you see why they were able to have so much success because they had the best defender and the best player in the conference and then let's let's go ahead and switch over to benedict right and benedict benedict is a team that we've looked at as kind of adversaries to savannah state when we're on this show but they more than deserve all of the spotlight individually individually they're a really good team i don't care about who they've been facing they are a really good team let's just look at them and highlight them they are the most represented team in the SEAC as far as the all SEAC uh, all tournament or all SEAC team, excuse me. So they had three players. And in my opinion, they had a snub. I think they could have had one more player on there. But they had three players, two on the first team, one on the second team. No other school had more than two. No, more, no other school had more than one in the first team. So they had the most first teamers and they had the most just all SEAC participants, period. Right. And I want to look at them because – on one hand, I want to talk about the, the, the snub, snub first, and that's what Kira Johnson Kelly. She led all guards in basically the majority of their of their statistical categories. So for her not to be invited on, it's a little bit questionable. I thought what Kira was there; she's their second leading scorer, and I thought she was. I mean, I'm trying to think of where she wasn't on fire. I mean, she wasn't the best three point shooter, 
but she got the most boards. You know, she had a lot of blocks or she had enough blocks. Right. She had a lot of assists. So I think what Kira Johnson Kelly was a snub. So when you sit there and you say they had three players on the all CAC team, two guards, by the way. And they had a snub. Man, I mean, their, their backcourt was phenomenal to have three players like that. And I want to look at the Ayana's because you had Ayana Armstead, you had Ayana B. And you also had Kiana uh, Archie. But I want to look at the Ayana's real quick because Armstead, she's a forward. She's the one forward on that team that made it. And with her, she led them in basically everything. She had the most blocks on the team. Uh, she had the most rebounds on the team. She had the most points on the team. So she was somebody who was all around the court doing everything. While Ayana Bay was a marksman from three points. She came off the bench and she was popping it from three points. So that's who I think are leading these two schools. You have you have the defensive player of the year and the player of the year over there at Tuskegee. But then you have four studs as far as just players on this team as three all SEAC members in one snub. I'm a, I think it's three and a half if you just want to call it a snub. Because I just don't know how Bakir Johnson Kelly did not make it to an all SEAC team at some point. I'm just trying to look at how she produced as far as her contributions to this team. If she ain't make it, I don't know. I thought she played well and she played enough games as well. But um, those are the two teams that I think if Savannah State doesn't make it, look out for Tuskegee and look out for um, Benedict College. Those are two teams that I think could win the women's tournament if it isn't uh, Savannah State. So I thank you for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day day make sure you tune in tomorrow because we have top 10 thursday we're coming with our number nine player in our top 10 draft eligible hbcu player list and for your second listen of the day let's keep that draft going go to locked on nfl draft with eric crocker and ryan tracy give you all the breakdowns it's draft season submerge yourself in all of the information that you can it's in the meantime in between time so next time we hear each other family you can find me on that blue app that bird yes twitter at south exclusives peace